My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. Our Sunday School is part of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. To prepare for this lesson, please go to OurSundaySchool.com for a copy of today's handout. Now, let's get to this week's lesson. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Our Sunday School. Glad you guys are with us today. We're in Philippians chapter... Four, yes, and uh, we can see the runway, so I am excited. Uh, actually spent some time Friday afternoon printing Colossians, so, oh yeah, it's coming together. It's coming together. So if you've got your green books, we're in, uh, on page 124, it's where we'll start for just a moment, and uh, we might get all the way through 132 today, so we'll see. But first, let me read through Philippians chapter 4. We'll start with verse 2, go all the way to the end of the chapter. Good morning to those of you online as well. So here's Philippians chapter 4. I urge Yodia and I urge Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need. For I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by partnering with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me send you greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Philippians chapter 4. So we are on page uh, 124 of your green book, and as I mentioned just a minute ago, uh, we are getting dangerously close to finishing this green book. I am excited about the next color. 
I don't think I will have it printed and ready next week. I do think, Lord willing, we'll have it the week after that. So just FYI. So on page 124, we pick up with verse 17, right in the middle of Paul's thought. Uh, and I don't know if you're this kind of communicator. I do this all the time, and it makes my... It would make diagramming my sentences very complicated because I will say a couple of... Julie's nodding already. I will say a couple of things, and then I will say what I am not talking about, right? And, and this is a really common rhetorical device that a lot of preachers use now, and I actually kind of like it because it helps to clarify what we are talking about, what we're not talking about. So verse 16, he says, For even in Thessalonica you sent gifts for my need several times. And then he clarifies... Not that I seek the gift. So at the bottom of page 17, what I want you to see here is this, this I seek is a present active. So this is not a not that I sought back then. This is right now from Paul's perspective. Right now, this is what he's talking about. So he's not saying he, is, he, is, uh, he was not in need then. He's saying right now that his craving is for the Philippians' profit, not for his personal need. So why is he not saying, I'm in need right now? He's in jail. But what has he also said in this particular text? I, I'm fully supplied. Right? I'm, I'm good. Like, I'm good. So have you ever had to over-communicate the concept that I'm good to somebody who is aggressively trying to take care of you? All right, I, I feel like he's a little bit in that vein. Because, I mean, these are the people, like, from the beginning. Like, they were the first church to support and assist. And, like, not that I seek the gift, you know? <laughs> like, d- stop sending. I, I, I have an echo here of when they were building the tabernacle or temple. Which one was it? And, and the king had to tell them, stop bringing stuff in, is the temple, right? Like, we have enough gold. We have enough this. We have enough, right, just, just ease up. So, not that I seek the gift. So, we're on page 125. And that word for gift is really well translated. That's, it's a present. It's a gift. It's something that is given. Uh, but I seek. So, again, the present active there for that I seek about a third of the way down the page This is where he is right then in jail. What he is actively desiring is the profit that's increasing to their account. Is that gorgeous? Because I mean, let's put our let's be real with each other hats on for just a second, right? So we'll take our Sunday school hats off, put our let's be real hats on for a second. If you're in jail, what are you seeking? Out, right? However... We want to accomplish this. Whether it's an angel throws open the door, whether it's I'm magically transported, whether it's there's a revolt and you break me out, whether it's I found the key, the guard falls asleep, it was my luck. I want out. And that's not where he's at. I seek the profit that is increasing to your account. Now, I will say this. I think profit here is a really wonky translation. Uh, the word is literally uh, karpos, it's for fruit. Uh, and that's what the, the footnote actually says on the bottom of page 125. Uh, I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. So let's put this uh, in a little bit of context in Philippians. So if you flip back to Philippians 1, verse 11, this is the first time he uses this word. 
So I'll pick up his sentence. I think it starts in verse 9. And I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So he's already established how Paul is using this word in this letter. Right? So this is this concept of first mention. It gives us an, an indication of what's going to be, how it's going to be happened uh, a, a little bit later on. Now, he uses this word again in verse 22. So I'll, I'll read verse 21. For me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. So the first time he uses it, it's the fruit of righteousness. So I, I would argue that this is uh, very likely what he's talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit that comes from living out what has been worked into us. And it's even actually, it's really contextually very good for what he's about to talk about with the advance of the gospel. So this is in the relationship of ministry-oriented work for God's glory and the advancement of the kingdom. And then the second time he uses it in verse 22, now if I live on the flesh, this means fruitful work for me. Remember back to the maps from last week, his fruitful work is moving all over the place. So we have, Paul has grounded us really well in how he uses this word fruit. So when we get to verse 17, don't you dare lean into, because of the CSV's translation here, a what kind of theology do you think I'm going to start shooting holes at? Health and wealth. This is not health and wealth theology. If you hear somebody say, God desires you to be profitable, go to Walmart, buy a t-shirt, a white t-shirt, and a black magic marker, and write on that t-shirt, I don't know my Bible, and then hand it to that person. Because they do not, under, like that is not what is going on right here. This is... I seek, oh, that's beautiful, I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. I seek the fruit of the Spirit that is growing in you. Is that, is that the heart of a pastor? Right? The, the desire for their growth and their maturity in Christ. Because remember, this is not a church that has a couple hundred years of it. No, 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 no. We're still... We're still in, like, maybe 15 years old. Probably closer to 10. Somewhere between 10 and 20 years old is how old. So the, the most mature believer in this church has been a Christian for less than 20 years. Is there opportunity for growth? Yes. Lots of opportunity for growth here. Lots of opportunity for growth. So I just want to make sure we're grounded here. So, cup. yes, sir. I would agree. Yeah. It it is an encouragement to see people living out what you have taught and exampled for them. Like that is just really, really encouraging concept. So a couple of, thank you for that, brother. So a couple of applications here. Uh, application number one, some seeking is good. Right? It's okay to seek certain things. 
Some, sometimes you'll hear from a, uh, a very, uh, I'm blanking on the word, uh, people who live a monkish-like lifestyle, like all desire is bad. All, all, uh, let's, let's wind that back just a little bit, right? Some seeking is good, uh, but application number two, uh, some seeking is better than other seeking. Some seeking is better. So I'll do the personalizations at the bottom of page 126 because I got a, I got on this like sermon outline kick here for there's two pretty good sermon outlines I think in the application. So if you want to steal a sermon, there's two pretty good ones in this text this morning I think. So, so not that I seek the gift, but I seek the profit or the fruit that is increasing. I love this word increasing at the top of page 126. This is a present active participle. So this is the habit, the ongoing, the continuous normal way of like this is just what we typically do but the word itself means to do to make or be more to increase or to superabound. so both the word and the morphology of the word are this repetition of doing and doing and doing and so there there's this is it i would almost want to say this unrelenting increase this continuous increase this just ongoing and habitual increase which I think is beautiful. Two, so, so the application in the bottom of page 126 here, I would say some seeking is productive. Some seeking is productive. So it's increasing, right? It's increasing something. It's increasing this fruit. And then a really interesting, I think this is probably the, the most... Uh, artful, nuanced translation that the CSB does in the entire book of Philippians. I think they, they really land it well for a modern English speaker right here, this to your account. It's really beautiful. Because the word account is the word logos. It's the word word. And you're like, hang on just a second. I'm going to put my Sunday school hat back on. I thought we were talking about Jesus. Well, it's, it's one way to use that word. Right? But it's not even the primary. It's primarily used as just the word word, right? Something said. Another definition is a topic. But by extension, it's a computation. It's this, this thing that's being accounted for. It's this third definition here. This is one of the broadest, uh, this, this word logos has one of the broadest semantic ranges of all the words that we come across in the New Testament. It is really, really broad. And the ESV leans into this definition of computation and words it in a way that puts it into a bit of an accounting because this fruit is increasing, right? So when we're taking account of how your volume of fruit is growing, yeah, that's a pretty cool, like, okay, I, I see what you did there. That was really nice. So... On page 125, some seeking is good, some seeking is better. Page 126, some seeking is productive. But application number two, all seeking is accounted for. All seeking is accounted for. Like what we are seeking after and what is growing as a result is accounted for. So I would have a couple of personalizations from those four applications. One is uh, examine our seeking. Like what... What am I desiring? What do I desire to happen in my life? What do I desire to happen in others' lives? 
And then personalization number two is to seek rightly. Seek rightly. And again, some seeking is good. Some seeking is better. Some seeking is productive. But it's all accounted for. So then we get to verse 18. One of my favorite verses to read. But I have received. And this is an, uh, this is an active indicative. And uh, one of the really cool things, and Mitch actually brought this up a few weeks ago, uh, some words in Greek have definitions that are associated with the morphology of the word itself. So if you look at the definitions for this word received at the bottom of page 126, the first one, do you see how it says actively to start? So that helps us to link. Oh, well, let me check. Is this an active verb? It is an active verb. Well, guess what? The way that this verb is used tells us which one of the uh, glosses, which one of the definitions to lean into and how to interpret it. So, like, okay, to have out, to receive in full. And the ES, and the, ESV, the CSB does a really nice job. They use received, right? So I've received. Now, I want you to flip over to page 127 for just a second. The first red word at the top of page 127 is everything. And then after everything, the next two red words are in full. And this happens all the time in English translations. Like the Greek word means received in full. But in English, we wouldn't say, I have received in full everything. You're like, ah, that's a little, it's a little wonky because our word order happens in a different word order than in Greek. So what we end up with is a definition that is a really good definition and a really good translation. But the way that I have structured this handout it makes it look like there's no Greek word for in full when in fact there is. So don't always assume just because there's nothing after the word that there's not a Greek word and that it's applied. This is a really well done translation and it's faithful to normal conventions of English. Like That's helpful. So when somebody stands up and reads it, they're not tripping all over themselves like the NASB, which is a fantastic translation. It is terrible to read out loud. It is the most awkward sentence structure you can imagine. It's just, like, I can't, there's parts of Isaiah I can't read out loud in the NASB. It's too awkward. It's such a good literal translation. It makes no sense almost in English. It's just really, really challenging. So, I have received everything in full. Let me ask you this question. How has he received, if he's talking about physical stuff, because I, I would say, Yes, he's also talking about spiritual, but he's, the immediate um, context here is the physical gifts of what has gone on. And what he's actually talking about at the end of verse 18 is from Epaphroditus. I have received everything in full and, but wait, there's more, I have an abundance. So what, is, you're like, well, what does abundance mean? Well, it means to superabound or be in excess. I have, I have more than what I need. So you could easily translate this, but I have received everything in full, and I have more than I need. Cool. That's really nice. Now, I will tell you, uh, let's look at this. I'm not in a hurry. Uh, I was going to farm this out, but th this word, uh, I did not look up how to pronounce it. Parasuo, maybe? 
Is that closest? If you had to guess, Mitch? I have an abundance there. Oh, third of the way down through 127, I have an abundance. Parasuo, yeah. Let's go with that. We've got some confirmation. So parasuo, uh, this is a beautiful word in Philippians. So Philippians 1.9, so, and I pray this, that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. I pray that you will have an abundance. I pray that you will superabound. I pray that you will have more than is actually necessary for the task. Isn't that gorgeous? I, I don't think I've ever prayed that for somebody. I, I pray that you will have more love and that your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every, every kind of discernment. That's a cool prayer for, to pray for somebody. Look at 126. That's the next time it shows up. Uh, verse 25, since I am persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus, there it is, may abound. That you, have may, that you may have more boast, like you just lose it over Christ Jesus. Like when, when somebody brings up Jesus, it's, oh man, we are going to have to tell Shanda to contain herself. Like just settle down, right? Cool. <laughs> Go for it, right? That's fantastic. Next time it shows up is in 4.12. It shows up twice in 4.12. I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. That a lot is superabounding, that in abundance is superabounding. I'm good in poverty. I'm good in excess. It's a beautiful word. And then he transitions right into, I am fully supplied. Now, this is a, this is a cool little verse. A, a cool little word. Uh, Peruo. I am fully supplied. So I'm halfway down page 127 here. Now this is a perfect passive indicative. We're going to lean into each one of these. So a perfect is completed action uh, that occurred in the past that is felt in the present. You're going to hear a different definition of this this morning. And one of the things that I would encourage you to do whenever you hear a preacher mention uh, verb tenses and what they mean, you have a cheat sheet to know exactly what they mean that you carry with you to church. So I would recommend you refer to that periodically. It is a helpful tool. So perfect, it's action felt in the, uh, uh, completed in the past. It's felt in the present. Uh, so this is, I am fully supplied. So this is, he's referring to something that has happened before the time of this writing. It's passive. So this means somebody else caused it to occur because could Paul fully supply Paul while chained to, like, that makes no sense. This has to be passive, great. And then indicative, it's a statement of fact. So who did the supplying? Now we'll take two answers here. The Philippians. Who else did the supplying? God. Through the Philippians, right? So uh, give, somebody help me with the rest of the verse, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. Sorry, I'm quoting the King James. That's how it was quoted to me. A million, thanks mom. 
a million times growing up. She's watching right now, so she gets this. Actually, she'll get it in about 15 seconds because it's about a 20-second delay. So sometimes I just like, like, oh, and now she would respond to that. That's great. Uh, no, God uses humans to give to other humans. Like, this is really, really beautiful. This is really beautiful. So I am fully supplied. I am, I am fully satisfied. I have, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm completely filled up. Having received, a beautiful word here, having received, I'm at the top of page 128, from Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, that sounds like a familiar name. Have we, have we seen that name before? Yes, we've seen that name before, right? He only shows up two times in the scripture. And boy, are they like, man, he, this guy is remembered for the peaks in his life, right? And I, we read through the Bible, that is not the normative experience, <laughs> right? We, we remember not necessarily for the great days, but this is a really, really good... Uh, I actually can't wait to meet him one day. This is going to be a, a cool, kind of like... This is pretty neat. So I've received from Epaphroditus, this is referenced back in Philippians chapter 2, uh, what you provided. What you provided. So a couple of things here... Uh, Applications and personalizations. So I got one application. So God uses Christians to supply Christians. The bottom of page 128. God uses Christians to supply Christians. Now, I could make an argument that God can use anything to supply Christians. But in this particular text, what he is using is God is using Christians to supply Christians. So several personalizations from this. I've got 1A, 1B, 1C, and 1D. Uh, this is my second sermon outline if you want to steal one. So be seeking, 1A, be seeking, right? Because if I'm not looking for an opportunity to be used by God, it, I don't want to miss one. Like, man, that's terrible. So be seeking, 1B, be ready, be ready. I don't know what Epaphroditus had going on in his life, but he dropped it. And took care of Paul. You know? And it, if you're going to be the guy that's going to take the collection and bring it to somebody who needs it, you, you have a reputation amongst the group with a high degree of trust. People who sit around all day and do nothing are not the people who develop a high degree of trust in a group. Right? So he, he did something to develop trust and then he laid all that aside to go and do what Paul needed to be done, uh, have done. So be seeking, be ready, 1C, be giving, be giving. I mean, Epaphroditus had something to bring because there was a collection taken up. This was not, we're bringing our thoughts and prayers. It's like, no, no, they brought stuff that he needed and desired. Now, he desired their, their prayers as well. Don't let me... Uh, Get sideways here. Oh, I just did it right there. The thing that I was talking about at the beginning of the lesson. Here's what I'm not saying, right? That was, that was an example when I did it right there. Okay, good. Uh, and then 1D, be rejoicing, because this is where Paul is right here. He is, he is demonstrating to them what rejoicing in Christ Jesus through what the living out of the fruits of the Spirit does in ministry work for expansion of the gospel. Like, that was a mouthful, yes, because there's a lot going on here. 
Um, do, do you guys remember what I said the... Uh, um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to skip that. All right. So I have fully, I'm fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided... And then at the bottom of page 128, a fragrant, let's go to page 129, a fragrant offering, a fragrant offering. Now, I am going to speak with authority on behalf of the staff at Stewart Heights. I, I rarely, rarely do this. They do not want you to bring a fragrant offering and put it in the collection bucket, like... It should not smell. Everybody with me on this one? Right? Like, it, we all good? Okay, cool. So, what is this about then? A fragrant offering? Like, what in the... Had, how many of you have read the Old Testament? Yes? You have seen this concept come up in the Old Testament. Um, I'm going to use a resource that I almost never use because I'm not a, not a, a giant fan, but their article, the gotquestions.org article on why would the aroma of a sacrifice be important to God was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. So does anybody know the first time the mention of God smelling the aroma of an offering? What book? The first time something like this, like the, yes, it's Genesis, absolutely right. Genesis chapter 8. This is uh, Noah offered a burnt offering of clean animals and birds after leaving the ark, which made me real nervous the first time I read this as a kid. I was like, no, 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 no. He just saved all the animals. You don't need to be whittling down on the population right now. But, but that then made sense, the whole seven by, like some came in sevens, some came in twos. You came in sevens because <laughs> y'all not all going to make it. <laughs> like this is, this is, sorry guys, it's just the way this is going to work, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so this, uh, and we're actually told in Genesis 8 that this was a pleasing aroma to God. Now, I, I won't read through this entire article. It is, I, I promise you, like you should jot this down and like, take a picture of this question and go look at this article. But, but God is doing something, this is so beautiful, in Genesis 8 to set up how beautiful our Lord Jesus Christ is to all of our and his senses. It is stunning. So get this, get this. Do, do you guys remember, I've taught on this a couple of times, it's been a few years, but do you guys remember the, the literal translation for long-suffering in Hebrew? Is it Big nose, yes, you got it, that's exactly right. It's big nose. The idea that, that anger is, is housed in the nose and that... When the horse's nostril flares, it is filled with indignation. But, but an animal that will not act on that indignation is showing long-suffering and restraint. God is pictured at, not as a horse, but as this, this big nostrilled, it's, um, I've got a lot of tolerance and a long runway for holding up vengeance and justice and holding on to it. And what does the... What does the offering do to God? 
It's a sweet smelling. It's pleasing. And do you know who is described? Y'all going to get this right. I know you are. Who is described as a sweet smelling offering, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God in Ephesians 5 2? Our Lord Jesus Christ. When Noah gets off the boat and sacrifices animals, he doesn't know it, but he's pointing toward the one who is going to satiate the anger of God toward sin and sinners. I mean, come on. Come. You, like, there's like a slow burn storyline, and then there's, it's got thousands of years between the events slow burn storyline. I mean, this is beautiful, a beautiful, beautiful thing. So the, I, and do you think Paul would be well versed in this? Con- yes, I think so. He wrote Ephesians, all right? He's already made the connections here. He understands this theology. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. If you remember back in Mark 1, 11, when Jesus was baptized, uh, the voice from the Father that said, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Your life, not only his life, but his death was a sweet smell. It was... <sighs> That's Jesus. He satisfies the Father. That is beautiful. So what is... And we'll stop after I make this little point right here. The, I have received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering. When Paul uses this phrase, he is calling on all the burnt offerings in the Old Testament and the uh, the satisfaction that God got from the smell of those offerings. This is, and this is the part that I hate. His audience wasn't a bunch of Jews. I don't know that this would have landed really tightly with them all, right? Yes, ma'am. It probably was compared right next to the uh, uh, tarot, and they were Oh, look at you. Now, look at you. Sacrifices, except the difference is their sacrifices with uh, this, this God is actually satisfying to them, whereas with sacrifices to Roman gods and goddesses don't matter. Oh, look at that. I don't have... Yes, I do. There we go. Boom. That was fantastic. That was fantastic. So you guys online couldn't hear this, and this is, I'm just sad because I won't be able to say it as well. But uh, there were other religions that sacrificed animals, right? And sometimes more than animals, right? And uh, this, uh, Rob Bell actually has a really nice video on this before he went totally heretical, which was terrible. But uh, talking about you never knew how much to sacrifice, right? Because if you, if you sacrificed a bull to your God, and then the next year you had a good crop, well, do, do we need two bulls this year? If you sacrificed a bull to your God and you had a bad crop, oh, we definitely need two bulls. Like you, you never know how to ratchet down. You never know what satisfactory is. And this was one of the beautiful things about the law was that it said, this was the standard. This is the requirement. Not more, not less. Like, here's the expectation. And even in that setting of the expectation, what we're doing is we're setting the expectation for the Messiah that says, 
We're like, where's the expectation? Well, it's beyond what any of us can do. So, sorry. Like, you can't do this on your own. And this is one of the things that's truly unique about Christianity is that our God actually declares, because he's real, uh, what the requirement is and then fills that in our Lord Jesus Christ. So, beautiful point. That is fantastic. We're stopping right there. All right. Uh, All right, so, oh, I need my pen. It's down on the floor because it was such a good point. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. All right. So we got through uh, fragrant offering. There we go. All right. We'll pick up there, Lord willing, in a week. Uh, We will not finish next week then. Uh, We will finish uh, in two weeks and then have a review week, and then we will start Colossians, so I have a whole other week to print. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Good. All right. Uh, This was fun, but seriously, y'all should check out this Got Questions article. It's got a lot of good references to go back and just be reminded of where and when and how this stuff happened. Beautiful stuff. All righty. That was fun for me. I hope that was fun for y'all. I love relishing in how amazing our Lord Jesus Christ is. So uh, you should have your weekly updates. So grab those. uh, Pray as a table. Once you are finished praying as a table, you are free to go and to worship this one who is the one and the only acceptable sacrifice for our Father. So thanks, guys. Thanks for engaging. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, YouTube channel, and weekly email. You can subscribe to all three of those at OurSundaySchool.com. Grace and peace to you.